Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by David Thorpe. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you. So David is in my group coaching and we have been having an in-depth conversation about positioning. And the uh, David, your superpower is being able to articulate all of the complexities that go into or the questions that you might have around a very squishy, intangible thing like positioning. And uh, so I invited you on the show to help surface some of those, some of those intricacies for the listener, because I know that lots of people can get wrapped around the axle with like, you know, what's the definition of discipline? Like, what exactly does that mean? And what's a horizontal specialization and vertical and all of these words and terms and all that. And, uh, and I recognize that it does it does get overwhelming. It does get confusing. If it doesn't click immediately, it can be hard. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first, just for context, could you tell folks what you do? Sure. Um, my company is Alpha Custom Apps, and it is I build custom apps for small to medium businesses. I've been a file maker developer most of my career, but I definitely have some other stuff, web and Swift and Mac and other things. Um, I do have a strong focus on business analysis. I try very hard to understand the client's business problem to be sure I'm solving that uh, rather than, you know, maybe they called me in with some technical description of that, what they wanted. Um, and, and quite often what they actually need is different to that. So I, if, if I have anything unique, I think that I have a very strong emphasis on the, the business analysis on top of the software development. Great. Okay. And you're going through a sort of a transition now, or you want to refocus or maybe refine your positioning. Is that fair to say? Like, yeah. At least make it more effective. Right. Uh, I, I, I've, in one form or another, I've tried to get this off the ground multiple times over many years and, and I've had varying levels of success, but a lot of the failures have come from, uh, well, looking back, I, I've seen how a lot of what I've learned from you has, has uh, if I'd had that then, would have had more success. More recently, I've had, you know, more financial challenges and responsibilities. So I've been, I've, I've had to have a day job mm-hmm. while I try and do this. Mm-hmm. And so trying to get this off the ground while still working at something else so that I can then make a transition into this full time. Yeah. Um, the, the, the day job's a contract, so it's, it's going to come to an end at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, want to be ready for when it does. Perfect. Okay, so so I'm just going to soapbox for a second on positioning big picture before we dump, jump into the specifics. So folks who have listened to the podcast or they're on my daily mailing list or whatever um, will know that positioning is something that I talk about quite a bit. But But what is it? You know, it's easy to get into the tactics, but big picture, what is it? Positioning is, is basically strategic marketing. It's strategic level marketing. So it's a decision that you make about how you're going to talk about your business. And your positioning is working well if you are memorable. It's the, the whole point of positioning is to make your products or services or business overall more memorable. So that when someone has a need or knows someone that has a need, your name or your product or your service or your you know your business name is the first name that pops into their mind. So 
at a, at the highest level, it's that simple. How do you talk about your business or let's just say business? How do you talk about your business in a way that people will remember? And when the trigger happens, the result or the event that occurs from that trigger is they say, you need to talk to David. I know exactly who you need to talk to. You need to talk to David. Mm. So that's really, so, th so then everything after that is implementation details. You know, how do we talk about our businesses in a way where it's going to be super memorable. And my favorite entry point into this, and, and it's, it's the most effective when it, when, when the question can be answered. So if I'm coaching someone, if the question can be answered, this is generally the most effective way to start. And the, the way to start is who do you want to help? So if you, if you, or, you know, we'll do this right now, but in general, dear listener, if you can start off with a group of people that you like and you want to help them get what they want, who are those people? Because as soon as you give me a clear definition of a target market, and we can get into different ways to define a target market, but as soon as you can give me a clear definition of your target market, then we are halfway there because I'm having a Rolodex moment. I know people that are in the target market or who know people that are in the target market. All of your friends and family know someone who's in the target market or are friends with someone in the target market. And if they then understand your value proposition, which is some other things that will come in a second, then they will introduce you. So any marketing that you're doing, it, it almost pours gasoline on any kind of marketing that you're doing because it increases the speed at which the flame will spread, the, the, the awareness will spread across you know, the internet, your social network, whether it's digital or, or physical and so forth. So is there, so, so taking it back to you, David, when you think about groups of people that you are a part of, or that you have unique insight into, what kinds of groups of people would be on that list, if, if any? Yeah. And, and yeah, you've asked me this in the, in the coaching and it's, it's something I've thought a lot about and I'm, I'm honestly still struggling to answer that question. Mm -hmm. um, I am sure I'm not the only one who it's, it's so difficult for me not to get a hung up on, well, I'd really like to help X, but they haven't got any money. So I can't do business on that. Mm -hmm. Classic. Right. Yeah. And you've, you've mentioned that in one of your articles and I'd love to talk about that some more. Sure. Point. Yep. Um, well, let's do it now. So you said, don't worry about, it. well, I'll give don't you an example. Mm -hmm. Teenagers, college kids, um, homeless people, um, young women in relationships with abusive boyfriends or husbands and possibly kids and how to get out of that. Those are all groups of people that I've had some uh, experience with mm -hmm. that I would desperately like to help. But I've always seen those as groups of people that I can only help one day when I've got money from having built a business or whatever else, doing mm. something else. Classic. Okay, this is classic. So let's pause, press the pause button there for a second. So I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about those groups and you rattled them off so quickly, <laughs> right? So boom, boom, boom. And you mentioned that you've got experience with them. There's a passion there for sure. Now, here's the thing for the listener to keep in mind. You might have those things too. You, it, it's very common in my experience that people do have those things. But when I ask them, what, what markets would you like to serve? They don't even, they don't, it's not even that they're editing those out of their list and they don't say them because they decided not to. They don't even think of them because they can't imagine a, even asking for money from these groups, 
or B, if they were asking for money from these groups, that they could build a business that would support their lifestyle, helping groups like this. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that blindness, that sort of subconscious editing process that, that, uh, eliminates those markets from your list of potential markets is something to very carefully watch out for because, you know, the, the sort of facetious statement I make is like homeless people have smartphones. Like everybody's got a little bit of money. <laughs> so it's not that you can't, it's just a different kind of business you need to, to build to serve groups in need like that, that will fund your mission. So you can keep, so you can come back tomorrow and do it again. You have to fund the mission. It doesn't need to be a charity thing where, like you said, you know, you, you finally I'm rich and now I can go help these people who I've been wanting to help for 20 years. Right. You can start helping them almost for sure. I could pretty much guarantee you could start helping them now and find a way to fund the mission that uh, that will support your lifestyle and your business goals and so forth. So that's, that's the, that's the first thing. This is like this weird thing where people are like, I could never build a business supporting martial arts studios or fledgling guitarists or homeless people or so on and so forth. That's one thing. And the second thing is that they'll say, but, or they might, and I don't know if this applies to you, but that's my next question. They might think I would love to help one of these groups, but I don't have the skills to do it. Yeah. That's, that's another one. That's another one, and so and that's the other thing that 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 um, there are more things on my list of who I'd like to help. Um, but the what's left on my list are well, who am I qualified to help? Who am I? Yeah, who do I? Well, have what are some of those? For? What are some of the ones that you feel you're qualified? So, to help? well, my my biggest one is file maker developers. My my greatest my, my biggest experience in, in 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 my career has been filemaker i'm a 30-year filemaker veteran i'm quite possibly one of the best in the world at it and that's not my words right so um, the great so now what i'm hearing there is like that is also uh, i would put that in your skills category the 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 uh, if we imagine that there are three categories that i you know i'm trying to f flesh out to fill this venn diagram there's a skills category where you know, for someone to be able to say on, on mic recorded that <laughs> would say that they're one of the best FileMaker developers in the world. That's a, a wonderfully bold statement. And you said, it's not my words. It's not arrogant. If you've been doing it for 30 years, it's also not surprising. So that's fabulous. I'm going to jot that down under that. But so, fi but so FileMaker development and FileMaker developers are not exactly the same thing. So if you were going to serve right. FileMaker developers... So um, there's, they're serving other developers mm -hmm. uh, that are less skilled than me and could make use of my skills in helping their clients. And then there's also serving clients of my own who have business needs that I can solve with FileMaker. That okay. said, I'd like to add one little caveat to that. And that is, I've there's a certain element of I'm kind of over FileMaker in that and, and don't want to take away from what FileMaker is, is really good at. But the stuff that it's really good at is stuff that I enjoy less than other things that other technologies are much better at. And and I've been trying to sort of expand my skill set quite extensively the last few years. And I've, I do have some other skills. I wouldn't mm -hmm. say I'm world class at any of those, mm -hmm. but I'm getting better and better at them. And if there's some way to transition to using those, but then I understand that's 
that that's starting to talk a bit, and this is from conversations we've had. That's starting mm-hmm. to talk more about the implementation, not the not the not the market or the goal, or mm-hmm. and, and and so I'm constantly struggling with that. Uh, you know, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? And mm-hmm. <clears throat> and not just what am I good at? What am I good enough at? You, you yep. Yep. I'm, I'm very passionate about the Mac and Apple stuff. I love Apple. I've worked for Apple at times. I, I, I you know, I'm in thoroughly entrenched in the ecosystem. And if I, if all my clients in, in the business sense outside of the other personal passions we discussed, mm-hmm. if all my clients were purely Apple, I'd be very happy with that. Mm-hmm. And I could serve them well with the combination of my FileMaker skills and my Mac technical mm-hmm. and development skills mm-hmm. cool. it's, it's almost like there's this constant battle between what am i actually really really good at what am i okay at mm-hmm. and what do i really want to do and sometimes there are conflict yes yeah exactly right <sighs> so this, this is why you're such a great example because, <laughs> you know there's there's um... great example of this world-class problem <laughs> <laughs> well it's like the reverse of an iron triangle or something it's like it's like it's like three magnets that won't go together. You know, the, the, right. It's like, if you're, if the people, and, and we've talked about this in Slack, that there's, well, actually I said it earlier on the show, like the easiest, most effective way usually, uh, is to, to pick a target market or a, a market that you want to help ideal buyers, those sorts of things. Think about the other, think about not yourself, but the other, if you start there and your universe revolves around or your solar system revolves around that, sun that central central uh desire to let's just say uh help college kids you know say like okay that's my main thing um i've got some skills that maybe could apply to that uh maybe there's a maybe there's a way to thread that needle maybe there's some overlap in the venn diagram there and and maybe there isn't and so maybe the if the objective is to you know help uh, I don't know, 1 million college kids escape crushing debt. If that's the goal, that's the mission, right? Then maybe some of your existing skills can be brought to bear with a lot of leverage and maybe you have to make new skills. So that's, that's a decision that someone would make. So you'd say, all right, if this is, if this is the most important thing to me, help college kids get out of crushing student loan debt, then it could be that none of your skills apply, but you don't care because it's like, all right, I will just figure it out. And I will work 20 hours a week for an agency to keep the lights on while I build up the skills that I need to, to create some kind of revenue from this other thing, this passion project, so that I can uh, eventually transition to doing that full time to fund that mission. Not so, so when that works, it, it works most frequently when somebody has a really strong desire to help this group that they want to help and they do have some overlap. Obviously, that's easier with, you know, with their skill set. Um, if there's not that much overlap or no overlap, yeah, it's a, it's a heavier lift for sure. So then you need to ask yourself, all right, well, maybe second, maybe there's no great fit. Maybe for whatever personal constraints, it's not the right time to be starting a new skill building endeavor. Right. Uh, so the the other the Which second is way, kind, kind um, of where I've concluded myself at the moment, subject to absorbing more information and possibilities from you and other sources. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning at the moment. Okay. So so and, and it's not it's not uncommon. 
it's actually more common that people are aware of them, you know, more aware of themselves and their skills and desires and hopes and dreams and fears than they are of anybody they want to help. It's, it's much more common that people are like that, at least in the U S sorry, say it again. It's more, it's much more common. It's much more common to be, to be aware of your own kind of resume than it is for people to be more aware of, to have empathy for a particular group that they aren't in. Hmm. See what I mean? It's much more common. Like everybody pretty much, if you ask them, they could give you a resume type thing. Well, like I know how to do this. And I know like for me, it's like, I'm a black belt. I know martial arts. I really enjoy it. It's a passion. I'm okay at it. I'm not amazing. I wouldn't, I couldn't be in the Olympics or any even close. Um, I'm pretty good at guitar. I'm terrible at drums, but I love doing it. You know, any people know that those sorts of demographic and psychographic details about themselves. It would be, it would almost be like weird if they didn't. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's, it's much more unusual for people to know those things about somebody else, like a different category of person or, uh, you know, in this case, college uh, kids. So if right. you, if you, if for some reason, and when I say you in this point, I mean, in general, you, you generic. Yep. Yeah. If, if one knows demographic, psychographic resume style information about a group of people that is not them. So in this case, college kids, let's say really familiar with like, the ins and outs of the current application process and, and how loans are distributing grants and all so forth. If you are really familiar with what someone else is going through, if you've got empathy, if you've got enough information about this other group that you have empathy for them, then, then you're in the minority. I, I do not come across lots of people who have that kind of insight into someone who is not themselves. So it's, it's hard to start market first but if you can, it's really effective. So that's what I thought in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's switch from college kids to say one of my other ones I mentioned: um, uh, single moms who've got out of the abusive relationship with the ex, but are still mm-hmm. tied to that guy mm-hmm. with um, through the through their child, mm-hmm. and he's dragging her through the courts to totally, totally. make mm-hmm. life as miserable as possible for her. And it's all about control. He's not interested in the kid at all. He just yep. wants something that mean. So I've, I've, I have had some personal experience with that. Not mm-hmm. myself, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. No, you're very, the guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm that guy. No, <laughs> uh, I'm the guy that rescued yeah. <laughs> one of one of the girls from that. And and mm-hmm. and you know she's she's had to deal with that with the ex, and I've helped her through a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Very very close friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And that, I too exp- am having a Rolodex moment. I know someone like this too. And I also know someone who has uh, started a business to help people in this situation. So like I'm having a big Rolodex moment right now. Huh. Well, that's awesome. Maybe I really should pursue this instead of my software stuff. Um, I, I, I can see how there's, I can see a potential business opportunity where if, if they could believe it, I could potentially save them a hundred thousand dollars in legal fees by telling them, by, by teaching them how to navigate that system. Yeah. Nearly, nearly everyone in that situation gets mauled by the guy and the courts mm-hmm. for no reason other than they have no idea what they're doing and they can't afford the expensive lawyers. Mm. This is so 
good. This is so juicy. And I'd be curious, <laughs> I'd be curious and helpful and, you know, it has all, all of the, you know, I was just saying it's very rare for someone to have empathy into someone who is very much not themselves, but understand the thoughts and the hopes and the dreams and the fears of somebody else. So when you have that, it is That's why I brought it up. Yeah, exactly. It's extremely, it's extremely powerful. Most people do not have that. I, and when I say most, I'm saying on average people I come in contact with, uh, I would say more, you know, the lion's share of people say 80% of people can't come up, can't say what you just said. Like you just clearly described the situation and the, the predicament, the expensive problem, all, you know, from someone who's absolutely not you. So that is very powerful. I'm not saying we should definitely do that or anything or that you should definitely do that, but right. it is extremely effective at, at being able to, you know, create value for someone else. Like the whole idea here is like, is like you one, the dear listener, if you want to make money, you need to create 10 times the value of the amount of money you want to make. So if you say, I want to have a million dollars in the bank, I want to make a million dollars every year, then you need to create $10 million worth of value every year. Mm. Simple. Right. So how, so if somebody says to me, like, I want to have a million dollars, a million, make a million dollars a year. I'm like, all right, no problem. Tell me how you're going to make $10 million of value in a year. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I guess you're not going to make a million dollars. Because you have absolutely no idea how you could create $10 million worth of value annually. It's just not going to happen. So if you, so, so you, it's very, and it's very difficult to answer that question. How are you going to create value? If you have no insight into a market, you know, if you have no insight into your buyers, your potential buyers, your, your other potential markets, if you have no insight into them at all, it's really hard to answer the question. How are you going to create X dollars of value? If you don't even know who you're going to create the value for because the value is in the buyer's mind. It's not in the code you write or the features you build or the, the contracts you create. It's not in that. It's in the buyer's mind. Yeah. So if we, if, if somewhere in this conversation, we were to switch to sort of my other category, which is the, you know, the software and small, small to medium businesses and file maker developers and whatever else. <laughs> um, you, you're spot on there. And in, in the biggest challenge that I've had in conversations we've had on Slack and wherever else, in, I, I have some, I, I've had 30 years of experience of delivering solutions to those businesses mm -hmm. that make something easier or cheaper or more efficient or whatever for them. Mm -hmm. But I've, and this, this sucks that 30 years of doing that and I don't have a good enough concept in my head of the value that that's brought to them. That's a new mm -hmm. concept for me in the last few months working mm -hmm. with you yes that's um, normal that's normal most people don't think of it like that and yeah so you're you're probably you're bringing that up sort of conceptually i'm i'm a great example of that um i asked you in the slack some time ago how do you how do you measure i mean it's it's easy to say um uh yes what i can do for you here is i can i can do awesome seo on your website to multiply your leads by five Mm -hmm. and, and I can see how each lead might have an average of, or, you know, out of 10 leads, they get a sale and each sale is $100,000, whatever. And mm -hmm. so you can kind of put dollar values on that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But how do you put a dollar value on 
efficiency? How do you put a dollar value on? Uh, it just makes my staff lives easier so that they're less stressed. Right. <laughs> How do you put a dollar value on my staff get to spend more time with their kids because they don't have to work all the long hours I've been slaving them to do so. Yep. Or even I get to spend more time. This is the client talking, the business owner. I get mm -hmm. to spend more time with my kids because you've made something more efficient. How mm -hmm. do you put a dollar value on those sorts of things? I asked you that for Slack. You, you pointed me to a book mm -hmm. um, well, let's about how, how, to, how to measure anything. And yes. I, I yes. looked at that. I haven't been able to get yes. too deep into it yet. But yeah, that's definitely something I need to do. Yeah, that book is called How to Measure Anything by David Hubbard, and it's a life-changing business book, especially if you sell services. It's actually not about business, but it it and it's not about value pricing, but it dramatically improved my ability to value price. But let's take a quick detour into your specific yeah. question because it's an easy answer. Mm. So your question is, how do you determine the value of decreased stress or more time with your kids? And the answer is, you don't. The buyer, <laughs> the buyer does. That's what the why conversation is for. So if somebody says, oh, I mean, even have a Ditcherville comic about this where somebody said, you know, the, the, the business owner says, oh, can you build us a new system? And the snails, you know, the turtle says, can you build us a new system? And the snail says, uh, yeah, I can, but why? And the turtle says, well, because the current one's really inefficient. And the snail says, so what? <laughs> and, the, and the turtle says, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm working until eight o'clock every night to get all the data entry, um, data entry done. And the snail says, why does that matter? And the turtle says, well, cause my wife's going to leave me if I don't start, if I miss another one of the kids soccer games. And the snail says, how much will you lose in the divorce? <laughs> and the turtle says $10 million. And the snail says, good news. I can do it for half that. So you have to get the number you're or not even it doesn't have to be a dollar amount but you need to get some kind of measurement out of the client and and the, the way that you do that is through the why conversation so if you because the answer will be different for every single person you talk to what's the value of never missing and you know what's the value of, of leaving at five every night if you ask 10 people they're going to give you 10 different answers some people are going to be like, I, I don't mind working. I, you know, no family, no friends, whatever. I don't mind working. I love my job. Other people are yeah. like, I'm missing my kid's youth. And it would it almost be um, priceless to be able to be home all day with the kids. So it's going to be different for every person. And that's the why conversation. It helps you uncover what the transformation is going to look like, how they're going to judge the success or failure of your intervention. So, you know, I'll, we don't, that's not really what the point of this conversation is, but the value comes from them, not from you, which is why when I walk into a sales meeting, I assume there's no value. I assume that they are either kicking tires or they got bad advice or they are, uh, they have self-diagnosed improperly and they say, no, you know, we, we want you to do X, Y, and Z. We've got this project. We can't get it over the finish line. And I'd be like, you know, here, for, to your example, the efficiency thing, they come and they say, hey, we want you to build us in, uh, a, a rebuild our internal systems with FileMaker. And I would say, right. why? You know, it's, and it's hard because, you know, when I was a FileMaker developer, I was excited about doing that. Like, oh yeah, I love building FileMaker. I can build, yeah. I can, I would love yeah. to rebuild it from scratch. So I'm all excited to like, to, to spec out the scope and knowing how many tables, how many portals, how many layouts, <laughs> how many scripts, what about the business logic, blah, 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 blah. And when I broke that habit, 
And I instead, in the meeting, I would say, they'd say, oh, we really need you to rebuild our internal systems. And I'd say, why? And they said, because we can't get the invoices out on time. And I'd say, well, what do you mean? Like how, you know, give me more specifics. And they'd say like, oh, well. Where does it go wrong? You know, the, the, the woman who does our accounts payable is working like, you know, weekends every week she's working seven days a week and she's in my office every day complaining about it and 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 i understand why it's unfair um and i would say well why don't you just hire another ap person just like throw 45 grand at like a part-timer or maybe you know maybe more whatever the going rate is and just hire someone else to use the existing system done and if they say oh we didn't think of that then i know there's no product there's no reason it's a bad idea like they self-diagnose mm -hmm. wrong but if they say we can't do that because we want to 10x the business and we we can't afford to hire we don't have space or we don't want to manage mm. 10 more people then now we're talking so they absolutely do have to solve this problem with software so i've answered my first why question which is why this and say okay so you want to 10x the business how are you measuring that 10x is it revenue is it profit is it market share is it headcount and then they would answer and i would say all right why do this now why not put this off for a year? And they just go through the why conversation. And eventually you'll have all of the, the details. So you've gone from a cost savings kind of efficiency, increased productivity kind of thing to without this new software system, you aren't going to be able to 10x your business and converted it into a growth mentality instead of a sort of a poverty mentality or a cost cutting mentality. Right. Anyway, so that's a detour. Um, we so let's get back to i want to get back to markets you mentioned a bunch of really really specific markets and then you said and then the last one you kind of tacked on there was like small and medium business owners <laughs> which is like i don't know 10 million businesses or something mm -hmm. so do you have so here's the normal process i'd go through with someone who tells me that which is extremely common uh are there any common denominators across the people you have worked with could be vertical, and, could be contact person, could, could be title of contact person, could be uh, locale, physical location. Are there any common denominators with your past hmm. clients? If anything, it would be the short answer to that and then there's a slightly less short answer. And <laughs> I hope we have time for both. The, the short answer is probably the most common is, is the business owner, as in these these businesses are small enough that it's the business owner making the having the communications, making the decisions, and whatever else, rather than some middle management guy. Okay. You know, so yep. I've had plenty of dealings with those middle management guys, but the the, the small business owner is you ask for the common denominator. Yep. yep. Um, aside from that, this is certainly my biggest problem, and I imagine it's I imagine I'm not unique in this, and that is the I mean your own experience with FileMaker. You can build a FileMaker solution to solve almost anything mm -hmm. in any industry, any business, and almost any size even. Mm -hmm. And and because of that, I've worked with one of everything. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe two or three at the most, but mm -hmm. nothing's really stood out as uh, this is the one that, that is really going to nail it kind of thing. And so yep. So let's explore it a little bit. Is there yeah, is there one that stands that's a out? Big problem. Sure. Yeah. It's like a it's you and when I was a filemaker person, we 
we're presenting ourselves to the world with a platform specialization. We're spe mm. specialized on a platform and it's slightly different than a horizontal specialization because the buyer knows it. The buyer knows about it. So the buyer, the owner of the small business knows that they picked this platform. Yes. So it's Good slightly point. different. It's a little bit different mm. than like, let's say you're a SQL server performance expert. The, the business owner might not know that SQL Server is the thing that's running mm. NetSuite or whatever. I don't know what their, uses their IT server. manager probably knows, but but not the buyer. doesn't care. Yeah, right. So, so a, you can pull off a platform specialization, which is a subset of a horizontal, and it's it's meaningfully different because your ideal buyer does know about it. They might have been the one that picked it, so they have mm -hmm. a a vested interest or a sunk cost or a, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to switch horses later because then that's going to create cognitive dissonance with their past decisions and their current decisions. So they're, they're kind of trapped a little bit. There's inertia at least to stay with the, the devil, you know, that's one way to put it. <laughs> um, so that's okay. So you're dealing with an owner. The owner knows they have FileMaker in every case, right? In Your contact. It's not every case. Yeah. Okay, so it's a platform specialization. Um, so, so it goes without saying they all had FileMaker. And what is the? Are there any that stand out where you feel like the business just massively benefited? Like, was there any casual comment or testimonial or some kind of meeting where they were just like, "This work that you did for us completely changed the game," and now we've got. You know, just a just a casual comment, yeah. anything like that. Does is there anyone in your history that stands out as like, wow, I think I really hit a home run for these people? Usually, when I've had that feedback, so 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 most of my filmmaker career has been working for um, bigger companies that um, charge me out to them. Got it, like agency and, and through an agency, I, it, right? And so I've worked mostly with the internal project manager, internal to the company that I worked for, yep. um, had some dealing with the client uh, and, and certainly a relationship with the client. But most of the feedback, you know, went back to the project manager and not directly to me. Mm -hmm. um, How much client contact I, would you I, have I, on? I, I, you must have had some client contact or did you have completely? Oh, have yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say that so I don't know that I've ever had anybody say, yeah, this FileMaker solution totally, you know, changed our lives kind of thing. Most of the time it's been, yeah, this is great. You guys did a great job for us. Um, it's, it's, it's helped fix this, this, and this, um, you know, yeah, you, you helped. You, 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 made you cut our costs. Get, <laughs> yeah. you, right. You made things get 20% better or 10% better. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even say those numbers, but that's the vibe that I'm sort of getting. It's, yeah. it's, it's an improvement, but it wasn't life-changing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know that I've ever done anything that was, you know, the business version of life-changing for anyone. Right, right. I, I think part of the problem there is the companies I've worked for, uh, yeah. they, they weren't, they were very much time and materials. And so they didn't even think about the value to the client. They were just, yeah, you need this done right. Here's, here's our hourly rate. Yeah, and it, it discovering you was was something that changed that, but that's only a recent development for me. And so, yeah. 
yeah, it's unfortunately I, I can't give you a good answer to that one, mm. which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So as a tip, and it might it might too much time might have passed between any of these engagements and now, yeah. Uh, but an approach for people who are listening that are in this situation is to reach back out to clients that you had a, a you felt like you did a really good job for. You're on good terms. Maybe you haven't talked in a while, but you could say, "Hey, I'm updating my website, and I would love it if I could send over a few questions for you to answer about the project that we worked on together." And they will almost always say yes. And then you can send over the questions and, you know, from a, a template that I have, you send over the questions and they will take three months to get around to it <laughs> almost for sure. But eventually right. if you send these particular questions, eventually what you'll get back is a unbelievable testimonial that goes beyond. He was a great guy. She was a great gal. Never, you know, talked down to us always was responsive. This is hygiene. This is always like, met the deadlines. Yeah. These are, that, that is hygiene for professionals. It's like, great. She had clean, fresh, right. fresh breath. But, right. Had, had a shower every day. Yeah. But these questions will produce numbers from the client. It will produce, they could be estimated numbers. They could be absolute numbers or they could be relative numbers, but these questions will produce tangible business out or, or, or descriptions of meaningful business outcomes that the client experienced from your engagement and and they will always 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 be higher level than anything like the code was so elegant or <laughs> they were um you know always hit the deadlines like you said or the you know it, it's not going to be about that they're going to talk about higher level business things like i got a promotion after this project went live or mm. we doubled our business after this project went live, or we were afraid we were going to lose our biggest whale client um, before the customer portal went live, or we blew our competition out of the water based on these three metrics after the project went live. They're going to talk about stuff like that. All of the little details that we worry about when we're creating these solutions and we're down in the trenches are totally immaterial if it worked. So it becomes, you get these testimonials back and then you can start to learn from your own testimonials from three years ago, projects that you did three years ago, what the clients actually value, how they measure it. And then you can bring that information into new sales meetings or sales interviews when you're having the why conversation to be like, I want to figure out, it's almost like you're reverse engineering the testimonial you want. It's a funny <laughs> way to think right. about it. So it's like, mm -hmm. what testimonial do I want from this client in six months or 12 months when this project is done? I want them to say that this revolutionized our business or this increased our something. So the why conversation is designed to figure out in advance how the client is going to judge the success of the engagement so that you can make sure that that's the needle that you concentrate on moving and you move it and you don't get distracted uh, with merely best practices or merely what the boots on the ground people are telling you, like the actual end users are like, oh, the tab order needs to be like this. It's like, okay. That's, that's good to know because I want you to adopt this system and I want you to love this system. But the business owner is the one that's going to be like, you know, we doubled our productivity. We were going to have to hire four people and we didn't have to when this went live. So some, they're, they're always going to get some kind of answer like that if you use the right questions. I do have one. You do have one? I thought, I, I thought of one as you were describing all that. Awesome. Um, as in something you said triggered the memory. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, it's not much of a memory that, it escaped me because it's my current one. Um, <laughs> I, I delivered something uh, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, that 
the and, and a, NDAs and all that kind of stuff. I have to be sure. careful what sure. I say, but um, uh, it, it has saved him hours and hours and hours at a time that is very very time sensitive. Mm-hmm. It's it's related to um, when. Uh, there's a certain piece of information that becomes available to him and he has to do something with that information and deliver a result ASAP. Mm-hmm. And it was taking him most of the day and I gave him a solution that does it in 35 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it hasn't changed his life because this particular day in his life happens maybe once every couple of months. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> that yeah. day or those two days every couple of months, it's it's changed that part of his life dramatically and he's had nothing but praise for me because of it. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, people higher up um, are the uh, decision makers as far as and, and, and this is so this is where you have another problem sometimes stop me if I'm straying too far aside. Nope, but nope, I think I know where you're going. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sometimes the, the person whose life you change isn't the one who's paying the bills and the guy Mm -hmm. who's paying the bills uh, maybe doesn't care enough about that particular staff member's life. You changed. Exactly. Um, I'm not saying that's the case. If anybody's joining in docs here, I'm not saying that's the case here in my situation, but it made me realize that that could be the case in some circumstances. And I think it might be relevant to the conversation. Is that where you thought I was going? 100%. 100%. Yep. Yeah. So here, here's the example that I use. It's like the difference between the user and the buyer or the there's a decider sometimes that's separate from the economic buyer. But I remember talking to someone who was extremely connected in the K through 12 education space and and was passionate just on a mission to make teachers lives better. Mm. And she was like, how am I going to sell this, you know, big consulting slash training engagement right. to the, the people that pay the money, the people that you're right to the, the school board and, right. or whoever the, the, the mayor, the, whoever's in charge of the, the, you, you could have been a principal or it could have been higher level, like a, a higher level administrator. And I was like, well, right. what's in it for them? And she said, well, the teachers will be teaching better. And I said, what's in it for the, the what's in it for the principal? Yeah. He doesn't and care about the kids. No, no. <laughs> work harder, get a substitute, right? Right. They have different yeah. problems. That they're, should they care about the kids? Of course. But yeah. that's not their primary concern. They are not staying awake. It's not my job. That's someone else's job. I'm doing everything I can to create an environment for the teachers. I'm between a rock and a hard place. They're worried about different things. So I was explaining to this person, like, if you want to sell something that is going to make the teachers' lives better, you either... And, and she had a specific thing that would do it. So she had this sort of, pro- let's call it a product, uh, like a training product. A specific would, solution. Yeah, she had a, a specific solution. Right. I said, okay. you're either going to have to sell it to the teachers or you're going to have to connect the dots between this solution and something that the superintendent cares about. Right. Or it's when you never say sell, sell it to the teachers, you mean sell it to them to the point where they're willing to pay for it? Yeah, out of pocket. So this guy... Okay. That you just you know you saved a you know eight hours eight hours every couple of months, right? How much would he have paid for that personally? Thousand bucks? That's a great question. I I, I have no idea. Five thousand I mean, bucks? You have some idea. I, would, I he so. a, would he have paid? Would he have paid a hundred thousand bucks? No, 
No, because he could have hired someone to do it for him. Like the, to yeah. me, whenever we're talking about like a software system that that increases productivity or efficiency, I always go straight to why not just hire someone? And th there'll be a reason. If the reason is money, then I know that there's probably no project. You know, like, oh, we can't afford right. to hire a person to do it. We would hire someone, but we can't afford it. I'm like, there's no project here. If they could easily, especially easily afford to hire someone, but they have a reason that they can't or that that's not going to fit with their strategy or something like that. Now my radar perks up. My spider sense starts to tingle. I'm like, okay, there's something here because they've got a bigger, they've got an objective or a strategy or something that doesn't allow them to merely hire and use a brute force approach. So they do need software. So, okay. So how much uh, would he have paid for it? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. There's there's so many other variables in that question. In this case, I mean, he's he's it's part of a big company that has all kinds of cultural rules, and so even if he could have paid for it, the company may not have let him. Or things like that. Who knows? That's all the stuff that went through my head when you asked that question. Well, maybe you could have sold. So it, here's here's the thing: you could have maybe sold a training solution that he would surely have been able to put on his own credit card that would teach him how to build the thing you built. Or who knows? Mm, I mean, there's all right. these other ways yep. that he, he or she could have scratched that itch theoretically. Yep. Good point. Um, okay. So I just wanted to kind of go in a little bit deeper detail there because there it, it is important. It's like if you have a solution that makes the soldiers' lives better, you still have to sell it to the general, pro probably, right. unless the soldiers are willing to buy their own boots. But like you, you need to connect the dots to the higher ups because you're almost, almost uh, for this kind of work, I'm not going to say almost always, but for this kind of work, the value is going to be higher, the higher up the organization you go, because the decisions that they make farther up the organization have more downstream effects. So everything, every decision mm. that someone at the top of the organization makes can affect everyone under them. So it's multiplied by 10 or a hundred or a thousand employees. So if somebody makes a productivity decision at the very top of the food chain, it's very important. You know, it's like the beginning of the assembly line. If you screw up the yep. Mercedes design, if you screw up the design of the headlights or the brakes on a Mercedes, and then that design gets turned into tools and machines and a, and a, a procedure and an assembly line, and you, you are just reliably yeah. producing Mercedes with bad brakes at the other end of the, the line, that's a big, expensive problem. You know, if you're, if we're talking about like, um, someone who's on the assembly line who needs a better pair of gloves because it really hurts my hands doing this job all day long, it's a totally different value proposition. But if having the gloves can be connected to producing better brake designs and reducing defects in the field, now all of a sudden you've got something really interesting. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just, my head's racing with ways I might be able to spin that here, but uh, spin's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. yeah uh, I don't know. It, it may just be that the company's too big and political in this example, but it, that's it, possible. I, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I guess the highlight really there was though that, you know, yes, I have been able to do something to change someone's life. Now I just, now I need to connect the dots and find how to change the life of someone who is making the financial decisions instead of one of the mm -hmm. soldiers. Right. So um, it's usually going to look it, like that's what I'm, I'm going to get from that. Sure. So <laughs> let me ask you another question about this, these sort of businesses yeah. that this small and medium businesses you've worked with through these intermediaries. Um, what, what's the, 
the sort of smallest headcount in terms of employees, just roughly, like on an order of magnitude, mm. like a 10 people, one person, 10 oh, people, 1,000, 100? Maybe three to five would be the smallest. And then what's the um, biggest? Like hundreds of thousands? I guess I, I would say less than 100, probably even less than 50. Mm. Now, sometimes we're dealing with a department in a much bigger company. Mm-hmm. Um but the the department itself is is internally managed and run enough that I would consider that kind of that department would be the client, not yep. the whole company. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So if in that context, probably fifty would be the upper limit, maybe a hundred. Okay. All right. It's super common in the filemaker space. Super common. Right. So if we said if so if you were skewing, uh, if we said anywhere from three to a hundred employees affected you know underneath the particular owner could we go with 50 that's probably more much more common all right so 50 to 100 oh sorry no three to 50 i mean okay three to 50 yeah all right so then if we just skew to 50 and even go beyond that and skew to 50 to 100 because i think it would be likely well 50 is about because you can get a filemaker developer full-time for like call it 90 let's say i'm just gonna just roughly i could be up by twenty thousand in either direction depending on factors but let's say it's 90k for a full-time filemaker developer then you need to find a sweet spot where it doesn't make sense for them to hire someone full-time or maybe they have someone full-time but it's their junior and this is above their pay grade or something like that. there's also the management cost and all that kind of stuff that that you know in the business analysis and whatever else that we bring to the table as well Mm -hmm. which could be another hundred thousand dollar salary Okay, so if we skew to say, f- let's just keep it at 50. I like that number. If you skew to 50 and you know that uh, your ideal buyers have FileMaker, can you imagine any ways to find a list of companies in, yeah, and ideally owners of companies and ideally contact information for the owner that would fit into this? I would call it a demographic. I would call it demographic. It's like, it, it's not technically a demographic, but it, I would call it. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to ask your network of friends, hey, do you know anybody who is the owner of a business that employs around 50 people? Then you're going to get, it'd be very easy for everyone you know to say yes or no to that question. And then secondarily, they might, they probably won't know whether or not they have FileMaker, but secondarily, you could sort of just reach out to those, you could send an email and say like, hey, you know, do you use FileMaker? Mm -hmm. And maybe get, you know, I don't know, maybe zero results, maybe one or two. So the filemaker thing is a little bit. Uh, maybe there's an outside signal. What what would be what would be a way for you to make a list? Where would you go to try to make a list of companies that had about fifty employees and were using filemaker? Where would I go to make a list of companies about fifty employees that I know are using filemaker without asking them? Mm-hmm. You know that's the. That's the million dollar question. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe Claris. I mean, you could, Claris is the, for those who don't know, Claris is the company that makes FileMaker. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, you, you can go to, um, you, you can join the, the FileMaker Business Alliance program. Um, I think it's called something else now. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and they can steer you to these sorts of companies. But that's not really answering your question. Um, and, and the answer is I don't know, I guess. And I guess that's part of the problem. Okay. I don't know. Well, here's some, me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Coach. Yeah. yeah. I've been down this road and it's pretty hard. 
for FileMaker yeah. because FileMaker is not a an up and coming hot platform. It's right. It's amazing at what it's good at. I to this day I still I still maintain that it is amazing for what it's good at. Um, mm. It stinks when people trying to use it for something it's not good at, but that's neither here nor there. So well, that that might be here or there because I mean that that does speak to my desire to move to other move into other directions and i've, I've definitely i don't know if this is relevant shut me down if it is if it isn't but i, w- I would even challenge any filemaker developer to expand their skills and instead of focusing on the platform focus on the problems they're trying to solve and, and this is part of what i've, I've got from you mm-hmm. um except that it, it's hard to do a lot of filemaker developers are really good at filemaking and not much else um, yeah, preaching preach to the choir here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. can I can plug myself as having learned, made myself learn a bunch of other stuff, partly for the benefit of integrating it into FileMaker solutions, which is becoming more and more of a need these days. Mm-hmm. But also because sometimes FileMaker is not the best solution to the problem, and that's actually what happened with this this more recent gig that I changed this guy's, you know, some mm. small piece piece of this guy's life. He hired me as a FileMaker developer, but the mm-hmm. solution is um, a, a Node and JavaScript one, primarily with a FileMaker one layout and FileMaker as the UI. Right. Um, and yeah, so, so he, that- he got lucky because he wasn't expecting that. That thirty-five seconds probably would have been an hour in FileMaker. <laughs> right. Yes. Which is why I did it that way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So it, point taken. My question to you is: Is it the wrong question mm. to look for the FileMaker? I think in general, it's a short answer. Yes. But long answer, let's explore it just to show people how to do it. Yeah. Um, So I do think. And if it's your own, if it's your only skill, then it's a great place to start. Right. 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 Another reason why you're doing this. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a more modern, more current hip platform, it's a great place. So if you can, the the beauty of a platform specialization is that you get to piggyback on the marketing of the platform. So right, right yeah. now something like NetSuite is tearing it up. So if you are if you put NetSuite developer on your LinkedIn profile, you're going to be buried with requests. So you're not Ooh. if you say FileMaker developer, you're not because FileMaker is not the hot new thing, and it is or any platform that's been around for ten or twenty years, it's generally either it's not the hot new thing. And there are probably loads and loads and loads of people who call themselves, you know, whatever, Salesforce developer, developer, FileMaker developer, uh, Rails developer at this point, iOS developer. Like, it's old news. Like, the the commoditization has more than just begun. So you end up in a, you know, you end up in a differentiation warfare. But Mm -hmm. let's just say that you consider yourself a platform specialist at whatever platform it is. And you were right. going to target companies that had 50 or so employees. I would go to Sales Navigator and LinkedIn. I would search for companies that have 50 employees, you know, between whatever, 40 and 60 employees, somewhere around there. And you know, maybe you pick a region. Maybe it's local to you. Maybe it's your country. Maybe it's a different country because you don't want to focus on people in your country. But you maybe pick a region. And then you look for admins that have FileMaker on their resume. If they have it on their resume, then you can you can DM them and say, "Hey, do you guys use FileMaker at boom your current job?" And you know because you focus it down to companies that are the size that you want to work with, and then you'd be like, "Oh, well, they you got a yes or no," 
like, yeah, you're not trying to sell something to the admin or whoever, customer service or uh, something like that. But you could just connect with people who are lower down the food chain in these 50 person companies and just say, do you guys use FileMaker there? And then you're going to get yeses and nos. And then right. you'd be like, okay, I know which companies that are 50 people. And then you can connect with the owner with some kind of value proposition, you know, or, or maybe you're going to say this is a different topic, but you, you would connect with the owner in some way that is going to add, make their life better, add value, make their life better and start a conversation. How so, do you know that beforehand though? Which part? The connect with them on some way that might make their life better. And this also speaks to another challenge I have had with some of your teaching, and that is um, you, you, you've said a lot about, I've seen a couple of your question answers videos, whatever, about, um, um, you know, how, how do sales of us people do this stuff? And there's a theme in some of your answers in that, well, you know, that's what the why conversation is. It's sort of making the assumption that they've sought you out because they've got this life ending problem that you can solve <laughs> right. potentially. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, you're almost trying to push them away. Mm -hmm. That feels contrary to the, what we're talking about now, which is we're approaching them. We're saying, what problems do you have that we can solve? Nope. That's and, not what I said. Uh, fair enough. Okay. I didn't say that uh, we can solve. <laughs> I didn't say that we can solve. Ah, ah, right. Yes, you're right. You're right. You didn't. Okay. So what problems do you have? Somewhere in there, there's going to be a conversation about, well, maybe I can solve it for you. But but that's going to change the dynamic of that why conversation when you no, ask. No, it doesn't. So here, and I know I- Because I'm, I'm in this. Yeah, yeah I right, I'm in this situation. Right. I'm, I'm talking with a client, potential client on my own right now. And I keep asking myself, how am I going to have this why conversation when I'm a lot more aware of their problem than they are? And if they ask me, if I ask them, why do you want to do this? I'll say, because you told me to, because you told me these reasons why it's good. Now they do relate. They do connect with the reasons. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they have only my word to go on. Right. So that means you led the witness too much in the conversation so far. <laughs> it's, okay. it's not, it's not unrecoverable, but just, you know, for people's benefit and for future reference, when you reach out to people and you just, if first, when you're doing market research, let's say you're NetSuite developer. Well, let's stick with FileMaker. You're FileMaker oh, developer because yeah. it's trickier. So you reach out to people. You find companies that are currently using FileMaker that are in your demographic range, 50 people, and you connect with the owner. And, you know, it, it's hard to, these are hard messages to write, but but the, the, the concept of what you want to say is you want to take some piece of information that you do know about this specific person in order to not write a spammy, irrelevant message to them. <laughs> right. That's, that is case by case. Otherwise, it would be by definition kind of spammy. So I right. can't put words in your mouth, but you need to find something about their company or in their social media profile or something that creates a genuine question for you. But if you just want a boilerplate, templated kind of answer, you could uh, a question to ask, a decent one in absence of all others is, um, can you tell me what your biggest problem is with regard to FileMaker right now or really whatever the platform is and right. see if they, they, we don't really have a problem with that. Or they say something like, let me guess performance or <clears throat> let me guess we can't, you know, it keeps crashing or, um, we can't keep the, we're, we need to move it into the cloud. We're not sure how to do it. So like, so 
if you well, have we've got these six little features that we'd love to add to it sure yeah so you you could it's not the greatest but it's not bad um but the bigger picture is i would like it better if you if you had you could do i mean i know real sales guys that are just cold callers that would call the admins and ask and just get back channel complaints about the system and then bring them to mm. the CEO and say, Hey, I heard that your, your, uh, your customer service people are really un uh, upset with the way the FileMaker system's running. And you could, I, I don't do that, but you can, people can do that. But anyway, so the, the big picture okay. is big picture. You want to identify some companies where they use the platform that you work on, connect with them and start a conversation in a non-spammy way. And that is an art that I work yeah. with people on one-on-one, -on -one, but it's not easy, but you, but you can do it in the conversation. So when you want to pivot from market research or I'm doing, uh, I'm writing a book or um, I'm doing a poll, whatever the connection request is, uh, I'm doing research for a report and I'll send it, share it with you after the fact, when you finally do talk to them or when you, when you do pivot and you say, look, we should set up a call to see if there'd be a good fit for us to work together. Not, we should set up a call so I can tell you why you should hire me, or I can yeah, try right. and convince you to hire me. You're not, you cannot chase them in these initial conversations. Otherwise you get into the exact problem that you identified which is like, right. it makes no sense for you to try to talk them out of working with you with the why conversation. If you've been pursuing them, it'd be like, if you were like asking out the girl at high school over and over and over, and then she finally said yes. And you'd be like, no, oh, I don't know. Let me check my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you want to go out with me? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Right. So, so uh, in your right, outreach, right analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right. So yep. in the, it, oh, so spot on. Right. So it's like you need to um, uh, attenuate or you need to, to have those met when you send out those outreach, when you initiate the conversation, that's the best way to put it. When you initiate the conversation, it can't be about let me pitch you on my services. Right. It has to be about maybe there's a good fit and maybe you, you know that there maybe you know that um, maybe there's some public information that you know that their system crashes, like when the J crew website kept going down on black Friday, like two years in a row, or, you know, maybe, maybe there's some out, outward signal. They're probably not though. In the FileMaker space, this is, this is pretty difficult. I mean, what are we up to FileMaker like 15 or something? It's not 19, 19. So it's, it's not yeah. exactly an immature product. So the, the battle lines have been drawn and it's, it's pretty, I mean, I work with, you're not the only filmmaker person in my room. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it is hard. So, but I did and, want and to, it's mostly hosted in house, which means it's, it's, it's not something that's out there to deal on the with. internet. Yeah. yeah. Tough you, to find, you tough to deal with. Yeah, exactly. So folks, so the reason I went through this whole thing is to kind of illustrate how you would do it it's if you were, had a platform specialization, but it is not my favorite. It is not my favorite. I would much rather do the thing that you were alluding to in the, the your previous aside, where the tool doesn't matter. If you want a new garage, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm an expert with DeWalt table saws. Like, would you want me to table saw anything for you? you know, <laughs> All right. I, I'm an expert with DeWalt tools. Do you want your garage built with DeWalt tools? I don't care what you build my garage with. I just need a garage where I can, I don't know, 
have like an, an extra rumpus room for the kids who are who are like getting to an age where they need to go outside, but it's snowing. So, you know, what are my needs? Focus on my needs. And then if you find someone who has needs that you can serve with your tools, great. But focusing on the tools is is tough. Right. Could we go back a little to, um, again, stop me if I'm going away from where you want to go. Okay. Um, but <laughs> Uh, so, so back to the, ha having the why conversation with someone who you've essentially had to persuade them of the need uh, and I'll give no, you a concrete, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, concrete example, if you like, please well, do, but it, right. I, I, it's very likely I said that wrong and, and <laughs> okay. I, I apologize. <laughs> and I know I put some words in your mouth earlier and you corrected me and I, I apologize for that and, and thank you for correcting me. Um, <laughs> Let's let's you know. Yeah, plow, plow I, John, forward. Yeah. Jonathan's the authority here, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but let's say uh, you're in this situation, yeah. It, right. So now, to my credit, I haven't pushed it really hard. Mm -hmm. It it has come from a scenario where so so the client has repeatedly the client loves me. Um, I, I took over from somebody else who sort of almost kind of screwed them screwed them out screwed her over um, mm -hmm. not intentionally just was pretty incompetent um i i fixed it and and have done a lot of little incremental improvements to her okay program over the years and she thinks i'm the greatest thing since whatever mm -hmm. um but mm -hmm. the system is so convoluted it's overkill for her needs it's 25 years old. It's a whole bunch of things that mean any incremental, any bug I fix takes three times as long mm -hmm. as it would take any new feature I add. It all takes so much longer because of ripples and because of what else is it going to affect and what else am I going to break by doing this and so on mm -hmm. With the, the, that a much more modern, better written system um, and one that I'm more familiar with if I wrote it myself mm -hmm. would would produce. So her financial benefit is if you see this evolving over and over, over the years, you might pay me 10,000, $20,000, $50,000 right now yep. to build you something completely new that does everything your current system does and no more first. Yep. You're 50 grand in the hole or you're 20 grand in the hole. But every time you ask me to fix something or improve something, it costs a third of what it would otherwise cost if we keep doing it with your system. Mm -hmm. Sooner or later, you're going to be in front. And I warrant with the amount of things you've asked me to do, it's going to be sooner rather than later. <laughs> okay, so this is good. So, <laughs> so I'm, that, glad, you, I'm glad you did persist on yeah, this one because it's a different that's, scenario. That's my scenario. And, and she's, she's sold on the idea, but she's still very budget conscious. And, I'm, you know, I've worked for her by the hour and I'm trying to transition her over to... We, we talked about her in the coaching. You might be able to remember who it is. Mm. Um, so yeah, she loves me. She'll 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 hire me to do it. But it's it's about getting the price right. Yep. Okay. Uh, among other things. Okay. So this is and, a different scenario. Yep. This is a different scenario than than cold outreach to like people you don't know. So she, you've already got trust. It's, it's still a very difficult why conversation. Just to clarify what I'm asking. Uh, yes. So yes. it's. I would I would characterize it differently. You so there's a there's a 
there's a thing above the why conversation that I don't talk about very much because it's because people who can do it don't really need it described to them. They just do it. <clears throat> so, it, and it's uh, the first I've heard of it was from Oren Claff and Pitch Anything, and he calls it a cold read where you can walk into a meeting with someone who's in your target market and just by casual observation, know what their expensive problems are before they even ask them any questions. So you don't need to ask them any questions. Like if you, if you look at a, you, if you deal with companies like, I don't know, SaaS companies that are on the scale of like, say a Slack and there's this upstart, maybe somebody like twist or Mattermost or some Slack competitor. That's, that's not, not, not making progress. If you were an expert in this space, you could walk in and say like, look, let me guess. I know what your problem is. Here, let me guess. You can't grow. Everything you do is just like, why don't we use Slack? You can't answer the question. There, you know, you're you're drowning in technical debt. You blah 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 blah, and you just like you just Ooh. dress them down. If that's maximum empathy, we were talking about empathy earlier. This is like right. super duper maximum empathy, where it's just so boring to you that you're almost just like sick of it. You just mm -hmm. walk in, you're like. Like, let me stop you before we start here. I'm just going to tell you what's happening. And then you just like, boom, boom, boom. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be done in an arrogant way. But when you're in a cold scenario, when you've never worked with the client before, uh, usually people can't do that. If they can, then that's the way to go. You don't need to have a why conversation. Somebody that could do a cold read would never do a why conversation because they already know all the answers. Ah, right. So, so they, so, but most people, they are not, most people walk into a meeting like that you know, that I, that I work with, most people walk in looking for scope so that they can do an estimate that's probably half as low as it should be. So, <laughs> right. so, so that's why I talk about the why conversation so much, but now in a situation where you, you know, you can kind of do a cold read on this client because you're mm -hmm. inside the client, they trust mm -hmm. you, you're an ex, you're the expert as far as she is concerned. And you yeah. do know not because you're familiar with the industry and you just know what people like her are like, but you know, for her, like, here's the situation yeah. you could say like, look, I know you don't have, this is the kind of budget. This is the kind of money the system's generating or the, the business is generating. These are the kinds of problems that we've been encountering. Obviously you remember we've been do encountering these. You remember when I told you this should have taken me, you know, a third of the time that it did, but because the thing is brittle, you know, you, you remember that I keep telling you, you, you remember all the times I told you that I can't build that feature because it's going to break the whole impact. system or, yeah. right, or there's a risk. There's all this risk. No, Half the time, it's I don't even know. So, and but that's here's not the because thing. I'm deficient. It's mm -hmm. because I, no one knows. No one could possibly know. Right. So Without she's, tearing it apart, spending enough, as much money and time as you would spend to build the new one anyway. Right. So what, what, we're, what we're talking about technical debt and we're talking about uh, risk. And yes, and, and cost, of course, but that, you know, that's kind of part of the risk. So the question is, how proactive do you want to be dear client? Like I, I'm, I'm going to keep on raising this red flag. Like this system is eventually going to grind to a halt one way or another, either the development cannot pers persist or the, the, um, or it literally just gets slower and slower, or eventually it, the uh, software gets deprecated or the, the underlying operating system gets deprecated and you're forced to move to an operating system that isn't supported because the hardware is just failing. So eventually you're going to get kicked off of this plank that you're walking. Mm. So do you want to, do you want to react to that when it happens or do you want to start, start taking steps now to prepare for the, the inevitability 
of this. And she could say, you know what, David, I am only going to be in this business for three more years. Just patch this thing for three more years and I'm going to retire and I don't need to spend 50 or 100 grand to rebuild it from scratch for three more years. Or I have been there. Great example. Yep. Yeah. Or she could say, no, I'm going to, uh, I'm only 25. I'm only 35. I plan to do this for, you know, I want to expand this. I want this to be the thing I do for the next 20 years. This needs to be a platform for growth. I want to expand the business. I want to bring more people on. That's going to put more load on the system. So I'm willing to invest in a, a new foundational platform, you know, a, a, a platform mm -hmm. that will be a foundation for the growth that I am imagining. So it's, it's not like right or wrong. Like, like I've been there a hundred times with this like pile of garbage that you inherited from somebody else. Every developer has mm. been there. Mm. Every developer has mm -hmm. been there. And it always feels like it would make my job so much easier if I could just rewrite this from scratch. And then I could charge them less money because of this hourly rate. It doesn't make it a good idea. Mm. It does not inherently make it a good idea. You need to still have the conversation like, so if you go in with her and you say like, look, I know I've been, I've been pointing out all of the deficiencies of the system and how it's going to affect you over time. So let's, I would love to have a conversation and, and as a uh, craftsman or a craftsperson in this space, it pains me to see you limping along with this thing and it pains mm -hmm. me to even touch it or work on it. So I know I've been encouraging you to consider a rewrite, but from a financial standpoint, it might not be the smartest move. So what I'd like to do is have a conversation around your longer term business goals, how you see this solution of the software system fitting into your bigger picture business goals. And maybe it'll turn out that that patching this pile of junk is the smartest thing to do. Right. I've told the story yep. many times about, you know, I'm not a car guy. I've always bought until recently have always bought used junker cars and the idea of bringing a $500 geo storm into a, a mechanic and, and them saying, Oh, it needs a $5,000 transmission replacement <laughs> right. is like, yeah, I know it needs that, but I just need to keep this thing running for six more months and then I can buy a new junker. So yeah, right. everybody recognizes that the thing needs a new transmission. That's not the question. The question is, is spending the money and the time and effort and everything else on, on, installing the new transmission is that a smart move you know when i would drive a junker no that wasn't a smart move now that i have like a, a proper adult car it makes sense for me to go in and, and you know pay for a warranty or you know periodic maintenance and so forth because you know i didn't spend 500 dollars on the car i spent quite a bit more so it's like it makes sense so it's just a different mindset it's not that one way is right and one way is wrong so you need to figure out is, does she think she's just trying to, does she just want to patch the junker for six more months? Perfectly valid desire. Or does she want to, you know, start fresh with something more professional and adult for lack of a better term, and that is going to be more reliable. It doesn't matter. You know, she doesn't have to worry about it breaking down on the highway, so to speak. Right. If you're asking me, I can answer that. So if you Are know you the answer, me? uh, yeah. So yeah, just to play it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the answer is she, she absolutely recognizes the need for the newer solution. Um, and she's, uh, in support of it. Um, she, she, she's basically said, yes, let's do it, but I haven't given her a price yet. And I'm not sure where her, 
this is where how do I figure out the value of this to her is my okay my big challenge. Why does she support um, it? She has experienced my she's experienced the challenges I've had to face and have had to you know one way or another kind of pass on to her with with she, she had a whole bunch of things she wanted me to do it do to it. I could do some of the small ones. I couldn't tell her how much it was going to cost until afterwards because I didn't know and I still don't know. And some of the changes that I have made recently, I don't know for sure that it hasn't caused ripples throughout the system. I don't know for sure that it isn't going to break something else. And she doesn't either, obviously. And so all of this is, it's a risk thing. She recognizes the risk. She does want a new solution. She does want something that's going to last her more long-term. Um, and how would she like, what's long term for her? Uh, that's a good question that I'd probably need to ask her. I would, mm-hmm. from what I know of her, um, I, indefinitely, but well, you know, and, until it will no longer serve the purpose, she's, I don't know, she's, I think maybe mid forties or something. So it's, mm-hmm. it's her business. She wants to keep going for, I would estimate at least another 10 or 20 years. Okay. So, so there, there's the converse. That's the beginning of the conversation. So it's like, so, and I, I recognize that it's a little awkward because you've already had conversations around other things. And you, it sounds like at least the stuff you've shared so far is around like, look, this is just going to keep costing you more and more by the hour for me to keep patching this. And uh, we're increasing the likelihood of a failure. Yes. And, and you're increase, we're increasing the uncertainty around the cost. So you kind of what you want to say or what you want to get to is like, what would it be worth to her to know that the, that she was covered, that she was like, that the system was going to continue to work and be extensible and you were going to be there if anything went wrong, like the mechanic, you know, or the, the dealership, you know, would that be worth a million dollars over the course of 10 years? And if she says, well, I, I couldn't afford a million dollars up front, but yeah, $100,000 a year uh, would be totally reasonable. And then you could yeah. be like, all right, well, let's forget about all these hours and that junk. You just pay me, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, dollars $10,000 $10, $10, a year. 10000 10, a year. So you pay me, let's say twelve, <laughs> just for round numbers. So you pay me $1,000 mm-hmm. a month. I will rebuild the thing from scratch. I'll migrate you from the old system to the new system. I will offer a bug free guarantee and you'll have, she'll have certainty. She'll have peace of mind. She'll have a, uh, a known expense, monthly expense. Um, I don't know, you know, is she hosting it internally? Yes. Yeah. So she doesn't have an ongoing um, server expense, right? So she, she have the licensing still, I suppose. Yeah. Um, she, she doesn't have, 12 grand a year and and probably i mean it's the sort of thing that you know maybe quickbooks could do the job if it if she had to in a pinch and i i just i don't know it's it's i'm finding it very very difficult to figure out the value to her particularly with if she's alternative solutions i mean quickbooks would suck but if it was ten thousand dollars a year for quick for, for my solution and a couple hundred dollars a month for quickbooks she might choose quickbooks um, so what you're saying is there's just not that much value there. So in, in the thing that you're, well, I'm saying, I don't know, but yeah. Okay. Well, I suspect that, that's a possibility. If that were true, if, if she couldn't spend a thousand dollars a month 
on the software system that is driving her business, then there's just not that much value there. And the thing that you're talking about doing is, ex is extremely labor intensive. So you, so there's a, a very narrow window between mm, yes, I see what your saying. cost and her value. So if, if she was doing $100 million a year on her own with this system, she would spend $1,000 a month in a second. Yes, but she's not. Right. So, so the conversation that you have with, you could have a conversation with her. It's like, look, I've been pushing for this thing. So in other words, it's not that you're, it's not that you're having a hard time imagining a price that would make that uh, imagining a price. It's that you're having a hard time imagining there's a price that is acceptable, which is a different issue. So if, for the thing yes. that you want to sell, that's the other thing. You have a very strong idea about what the thing is that you want to sell. You could come to her and say, look, look, let's brainstorm this. How much money are you making a year? How much money do you have to spend on your software systems per year? And just come right out and say it. And she says, I can spend $5,000 a year on software systems. You're like, all right, rewrite's out of the question. You're not going to find anybody to do a rewrite for that. So let's let's think of alternatives. So, well, okay, what are my alternatives? Well, you can keep limping along the way we're going. And eventually at some point, maybe in a year, maybe three years, I'm going to say, I, I'm not going to work on this anymore. It's complete. <laughs> it's torture. Uh, right. Or... I can create something that will migrate you to QuickBooks and maybe build things on top of QuickBooks that would be that would make QuickBooks suck less, right. uh, but at least would be more reliable or or whatever. You could build her a node yeah, solution. You could create plugins for QuickBooks. It's like let's since she trusts you, if you re, if you release your grip on the solution you want to build, yep. and say instead, um, how much money do you have to spend on this? Just go there. Just go there. How much money do you have to spend on your software system for you? Well, I'd like to spend zero. It's like, okay, spend zero. Well, okay, not zero. <laughs> not zero. Well, how much can you spend? How much makes sense to spend on your systems? How much is your, you know, how much is this uh, yeah, right. worth? I've asked her that. I've asked her that. And she she either can't or won't answer it. She keeps coming back to me saying, well, well I don't know. How much is it going to cost? $12,000 a year. She won't answer that question for me. But if you, so... Uh, that's a good I point. That at a, that's yeah. a good point. People have a hard time coming up with a number, but if you bounce a number off them, they will instantaneously have a lizard brain reaction to the number. So, right, if, right. If we were doing like, if you were saying, look, uh, when I talk to people about pricing a new productized service, and I tell them to get three beta customers to go through it in exchange for feedback, when they're done, I say to the people, don't, don't, to my students, I say, don't ask the beta customer how much they would have paid. Decide how much you want to charge and bounce that number off them. And their reaction is going to tell you the answer. So if you bounce a number off her and you just say, look, let's, I just want to get into the same ballpark here so that I have an idea. I, I have a particular solution that I think that, that I'm drawn to, but I don't know if it's really the best fit for you. It'd probably cost, mm. a, it, it's, it's, it would be a thousand dollars a month. <clears throat> is that totally out of the ballpark? And if she's, oh my God, a thousand dollars a month, you say, okay, out of the ballpark. All right. So forget about the rewrite that I've been talking about, because at a bare minimum, it's going to be a thousand dollars a month. I mean, that's, right. that's like nothing. So if, you know, she obviously has a very small business. Yeah, it is. It's, it's like eight people or something. Yeah. Eight people. That's, that's yeah. Not so, that small. I mean, the revenue must oh, be really low yeah. or she's just incredibly cheap. So, I mean, she must, eight full-time people. Yeah. I mean, her payroll is probably ten times that. Ten times a ten times a thousand. A thousand. Yeah. Oh, her it, rent's probably higher be, than that. But, oh, sure. Um, I guess she just 
Well, I mean, yeah, okay. I, I guess she just doesn't see how. Well, I, I'm going to have to think about that. I, I'm sort of jumping to some conclusions in my head here. Mm-hmm. It's it's quite likely I just haven't asked her the right questions. But well, it's not even likely. It's certainly. But uh, <laughs> uh, there's. I think there's a there's a problem between the there's a disconnect between her concept of the value of what this system does for her business, even though it runs her business. Um, it's it's yeah it's it's essential to her. Um, there is another challenge, and that is that there's always there's always that other person you have to go and check this with. <laughs> She's got some private investors that um, she always has to go and ask them, and I, I'm not allowed. They won't talk to me. Mm-hmm. So everything gets, has to get past them, and they're and they're much tougher. She's mm-hmm. she's she's quite agreeable. If it was up to her, she'd probably spend it in a heartbeat. But it, it isn't. It has to go back to them, and I don't get to talk to them. All right. So here's so that here's makes what, it a little harder. But yeah. So in that, I case, mean, is it, I, this I don't know if this is really what you wanted on your podcast. This is getting real specific. I mean, have, definitely happy to keep going if you are. Yeah. So uh, I would probably, given all of those details. I would probably come up with, and, and you know a lot about the business, so you could say uh, that you could put together a proposal. Basically, it's, essentially, it's a proposal in the in the in the in my normal sense, but also in the general sense, where you take a proposal and say, like, look, um, here's the situation. Sorry, I'm, I'm back. I, lo- I lost you for a second there. Oh, okay. My audio went weird. Okay. You said I know a lot about the business. Then I lost you. Yeah, so you know a lot about the business. You could probably do a situation appraisal. Like, look, here's where you currently are. Here's where you'd like to go. And here are the, the risks that you that we have agreed, that you agreed to, that you agree that you recognize these risks. And here are three ways that we could, yeah, I, here are three ways that we could, you know, mm. remediate You're the right. risk. One would be a rewrite. And I would swing for the fence if you are thinking you're you're making some assumptions here. So we could do a rewrite and have ongoing maintenance and it's a number you're almost positive she's gonna say no to. Even I would even say positive she will say no to. Okay. So five thousand a month. Right. And we'll do the rewrite, maintain the software, um, launch it, migrate from the old system, integrate it just just on an ongoing basis. And then switch in, you know, at, at whatever point we'll continue to add features or maintenance mode or whatever. A little bit nervous about the monthly aspect here, but um, but you could you could just you could just say, or what would that be? For yeah, I, th- I think she's not a fan of that too. I think I think she wants a you know one figure. How much is this going to cost to put down now and get it done? All right. So how much? So let's just do it right now. What would you charge um, for a complete rewrite? Hundred grand. No, I, I mean this. This doesn't need anything like that, and she won't. I mean, that, that's the sort of number that's um, she'll definitely say no to. That's what we're I've, looking for. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, even even fifty grand. Fifty. There's three. There's three pieces to this too, and I'm only talking about the first piece. The other two pieces sell the first piece, though, um, to some degree. I can't do the second piece without rewriting the first piece. So there's that. If we're just talking about the first piece. I, I, I threw ten grand at her as a as a very ballpark um, number a uh, couple of months ago, and she hesitated at that, but was okay with it. Yeah, I, the the whole um, I mean, the big picture here is that this client is too small for you to be bothering with. 
Maybe. Um, uh, positive, it, but uh, definitely. I, <laughs> positive. <laughs> All right. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I, I can I can do it for that. It's 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 not a huge job. Um, a rewrite? I'm, it's it's a small project. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Uh, if you're saying it's yeah, a small, yeah. When you say small project, is it going to take you four hours? No, maybe thirty. A rewrite? Yeah. No, it's, I I fundamentally disbelieve. I mean, if you have enough experience with them that you know the ins and outs of all of their business logic and you don't need to do any user testing and you don't need to do any user training and you don't need to do any demos, like maybe 30, but it's gotta be at least 100. If she has eight employees that are all using the system, you need to install it, you need to have a, a, like a, a test server of some kind. If there's no way it's 30, no way. I reject that. <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know she won't pay 100 for it. Um, I was thinking I'd talk her up to 20 uh, for the first piece. But mm -hmm. the, it, it, How are you going to migrate from the old system to the new one? I mean, yeah. Yes. You know what? I'm. I, you, you've made me realize something here. I'm undervaluing. I mentioned to you I've built a framework. Um, mm -hmm. It's the framework that lets me build this stuff that quickly. Um, I'm underestimating um, the value that I'm bringing to that. No, it's not. That, I mean, yes, <laughs> I suppose, yes. but you're also <laughs> underestimating the level of effort. Like, I don't care if you can build this. If you could snap your fingers and build a system, you still have to get user feedback and get them onboarded and migrate the data over. I mean, normally you'd have to do all these things. That stuff's not not magic. I've I've, I've, I've done stuff like that for other clients through my other you know, through the companies I've worked for, mm -hmm. where I've made five grand from it, mm -hmm. which means they paid them 15 mm -hmm. for solutions that are more complex than this. Complexity is not, complexity is an issue in the cost. But, so the cost to you. So yeah. complexity is not relevant to the value. Client doesn't care how, I don't care how complex it is to put a roof on my garage. I don't care. Right. It's worth something to me or it's not. Yeah, yes. Yes. Uh, just, just, I was answering that in, in your comment about what it's going to take me to do it. Yes, it's um, not. But but you used the word yes. value. Value is what the client sees. It's, cost sorry, is what yeah. you see. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, wrong word. But yes, for the cost, I can do it in that cost. That's not the issue. Um, you're right that it's small. But if I can make this a high profit, it doesn't really matter how small it is if I'm getting a lot of profit out of it. True. To, to That's point. true. And I'm just getting started, remember? So even 20 grand is, that's... Yeah, it could be a, a, yeah. That's three months income. Okay. Give or take. Um, All right, so... And then there's two more pieces which are bigger. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is is getting getting the most out of that. Okay, so... So, I mean, you're making some really good points, though. I really need to rethink. It could be. And that's that what you're all about, is the value. I need to rethink this from the value point of view. From her perspective yeah and i'm Maybe, really struggling with that part. yeah 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 and then the way to do it is not to think harder the way to do it is to talk to the other person so mm -hmm. thinking harder is never going to get you there because you're trying to have you're trying to create esp so you need to the only way to do it is to talk to the other person unless you can do a cold read which basically is esp essentially <laughs> which is yeah. not the case here then that is what the why conversation is for to uncover why they want anything to be different 
if she doesn't want anything to be different, she's not going to pay a red cent to mm. get it. So, and I know that you guys have had, a, you know, you've been saying like, you've, you've been raising the alarm, your alarm, mm. alarm, alarm, alarm. And, and maybe she's feeling the, the heat a little bit in, in, I don't know, increased hourly fees or delayed release of new features or slow performance that her, you know, employees are just like, oh, FileMaker's so slow or um, reports not running quick. Maybe she's feeling some pain that you can say, oh, you know that, you know that symptom that you're experiencing when you got that, when you asked me for uh, an estimate for the changes and I said, I don't know, and you didn't like that and you were nervous the whole time that it was going to cost five times more than you were hoping or all of these things like, like you need to find some kind of symptoms that she's experiencing pains, like things that she finds distasteful, make her feel bad, things that she might complain about to other people, complain about to her investors. What are those things? And then how bad are they? Like how bad do you want those things to go away? And then if it's not that bad, then you're like, okay, is it worth $500 to make those things go away? And if she says yes, then you say, okay, switch to QuickBooks and get rid of FileMaker. Mm. Solved, solved. Right. You might think right. that, that, that QuickBooks would stink, but that's not up to you. Maybe she would yeah. think that QuickBooks is fine. So yeah, you could, she wouldn't, I probably shouldn't have even thrown that out, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. Yeah. So be, so think the beauty yeah. of the beauty at coming at a business problem from a really consultative kind of, um, level, like a strategic level or an architectural level is that you're not married to any particular implementation. You are married to an implementation. So if you want the implementation work, you're only going to suggest solutions that lead to you getting the implementation work, or you're only going to naturally think of, or the, the only solutions that are naturally occur to you are the ones that you can implement, but there might be better ones mm. that you can't implement. But if you're not getting paid for that bit of advice at the beginning, then it's like, why would you give that advice? You're basically right. shooting yourself in the foot. So, okay. I think, so I think enough about this client, I think the, the, yeah, yeah. Some really good stuff there. Long and the short of it though, is that it's a, it's a fairly small company, but uh, you know, a little 10 to $20,000 project might be really good for you right now. So maybe there's a way that you can throw the needle and come up with a, a, a value to her. Like what would it be worth for you, to you, dear client to make these three or four problems go away? And then, it, and she says, I don't know. And then you say, well, would it be worth $5,000? And just watch her eyebrows, you know, like watch her facial expression. If she's like, oh yeah, like if her eyebrows go mm -hmm. down and she's like, oh yeah, totally. And you're like, okay, would it be worth $25,000? She's like, oh no, no, you know, $25,000, her eyebrows shoot up. So if you can, since you have a relationship and you could just bounce some numbers off of her, if she said to you, you know, yeah, you know, I would be comfortable paying $7,000 if this, this, and the other go away these three problems leave my life. And then if you can come up with a clever way to deliver those three things for $3,000 of cost to you in time and materials, then yeah, you've got a nice little profitable thing. And maybe it's like, yeah. maybe it's like import, you know, exporting the data in CSV files from FileMaker and uploading them to QuickBooks. And here's your login. Thanks for the 7,000. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, um, that's, that's some very, very good points in there. Cool. Uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, 
appreciate that even aside from the podcast yeah. well so for the for, in the interest of of both of our times and also the dear listener um yes the i want to i want to we talked about we talked about skills we talked about markets we didn't talk too much about passions but i think that's okay the thing that i really want to call out and i'm curious i'm curious to get feedback from the dear listener about this um the conversation that david and i just had here about this sort of filemaker project and this the small and medium business stuff and those sorts of things for me I'm curious if anybody else felt the same way. For me, there was a marked difference between the tone of that conversation and the tone of the sort of short conversation we had about the, the uh, you know, unfortunate sort of single moms in abusive relationships. Teenage moms, teenagers, yeah. college I, kids. Yep. Right. I, I suspect, I suspect that I'm going to get a bunch of email that is begging me to tell you to help the women in the abusive relationships <laughs> and let other people build these FileMaker solutions. But we'll it's, see. That that would be interesting. And you know what? I mean, I, I don't have to become a billionaire or a millionaire to do that. I just need to pay the bills. So yeah. if I can build a business that's going to pay the bills and help those people, I, I would be happy. So um, I mean, I'll, I'll welcome any suggestions from those readers on how to go about <laughs> it if they want to. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Listeners. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thanks yeah. for listening. Hopefully, you know, it, it sounds like this has been somewhat helpful, at least. For me, for, for sure. You, David. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I will see you, David, back in the group coaching Slack. But dear listener, thanks for joining us. Kind of a marathon call, but hopefully it's okay. Mm. And we will see you next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space? or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call. C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.